welcome to our series on biblical womanhood. We've been looking at the most important New Testament text on the role of women. And so far, we have considered the qualifications of the older women as they are instructed to teach and train the younger women. We have also considered the priorities of teaching the younger women to love their husbands and to love their children. And during our last time together, we looked at the importance of teaching the young women to be self-controlled and pure. I shared with you that we must teach the young women to exercise discernment or good judgment and thus be able to make wise decisions. Secondly, I discussed with you the mandate for us to train the young women to be chaste, modest, and morally pure. Now, that in itself is a controversial subject, but this next one is, is very much politically incorrect. Um, the, Apostle, the Apostle Paul instructed Titus that the older women were to teach the younger women to be keepers at home. So turn with me once again to Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Titus 2, 1 through 5. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Now, the Greek word translated keeper at home or worker at home is a compound word that comes from two words, two root words, wakos, which means a dwelling, a home, or a household, and ergon means to work or to be employed. And so if you put those two words together, the idea is to work or to be employed at home. It literally means a stayer at home or a good housekeeper. We're to teach the young women the importance of not neglecting their domestic duties. Their attention is to be given primarily to their concerns at home and in carrying out their responsibilities for their families. Ladies, our first duty is at home. Dr. John MacArthur explains the second Greek word that it doesn't just imply or refer to labor in general, but often to a particular job or employment. It's the same word that the Lord Jesus used when he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work, his particular employment that he had given the Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus in focused his entire life on fulfilling God's will. And in a similar fashion, the wife is to focus her life on the home. God has designed the family to be her sphere of responsibility. Now, that doesn't mean that she must spend 24 hours a day there. The woman in Proverbs 31 often left her home for many different reasons. But even on those occasions, she was doing things and going places that would benefit her family. She poured her life into her family. 
she woke up early and went to bed late for the sake of those in it. In his book, Different by Design, Dr. MacArthur goes on to give us a picture of what it meant to be a worker at home in the Apostle Paul's day. He wrote, a wife was expected to grind flour, bake, launder, cook, nurse her children, make the bed, spin wool, prepare the children for school, and accompany them to school to ensure their arrival. While many women worked with their husbands in the field or in a trade, the husband was still held responsible to provide food and clothing. If any woman worked apart from their husbands in the marketplace or at a trade, they were considered a disgrace. A wife could, however, work at crafts or horticulture in the home and sell the fruits of her labor. In addition to her household work, wives were responsible for hospitality and the care of guests and to be active in charitable work. The Jewish laws were clear. The woman's priority was in the home. She was to take care of all the needs of her home, her children, her husband, strangers, the poor and needy, and guests. The wife who faithfully discharged her responsibilities was held in high regard in her family, in the synagogue, and in the community. So being a keeper at home or a worker at home means just what it says, to keep the home, to work at home, to be a good homemaker. Now, whenever I talk about women being keepers at home, ladies always want to know does that mean that a woman should never work outside of her home? And I must say that the idea, the biblical concept of a woman being a worker at home is not a popular one. I realize though that there are certain circumstances that require women to be employed outside of their homes. There are single moms, women who have been widowed or abandoned, and single women who must work to provide for themselves and for their families. But I believe God's plan, his best, is for married women, especially women with children in the home, to stay at home and devote themselves to caring for their families and their homes, if at all possible. A wife who spends too much time away from home, either working or involved in lots of activities, will find it very difficult, if not impossible, to care for her loved ones as she should, or to keep her home as it should be kept. You cannot be a keeper at home if you are never at home. Home is always the best place for a woman to work and serve, even if financial sacrifices must be made. And as always is true though, God's primary concern is the motive and attitudes of our hearts. I once had a friend who was a very intelligent and highly educated woman. She was a school teacher until the Lord blessed her and blessed her family, her husband, she and her husband with children. And then she chose to leave her career and educate her seven children at home. But after a time, her husband left her. He left the family as she had no choice but to get a job to provide for her children. The desire of her heart was to be at home, serving her family, but she had to provide for their needs. And we must be very careful about making absolute judgment calls in areas such as this. However, when a woman is considering outside employment, she should ask the Lord to search her heart. 
Some good questions to ask yourself are, is the second income absolutely necessary? Do I think working outside my home will give me a sense of more value or worth? Do I want to work outside my home just so I can buy more or better material things? Am I trying to escape the demands of childcare? Am I trying to relieve my husband of his responsibility to provide for the family? Are my motives selfish or am I seeking the glory of God? In the United States, approximately 90% of all women between the ages of 16 and 65 have jobs outside of the home. That trend is frightening even to many secular observers who recognize the damage that is done to young children who spend too much of their time with and receive much of their training from people other than their parents. Proverbs 29.15 tells us a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Not only do the children and the husband usually suffer when the mother is working outside the home, but it's harder on her. It drains her. It robs her of energy that she could devote to other things. And statistics show that extramarital affairs increase in direct proportion to the increase of women working outside the home. Also, working away from home often places a woman under the authority of another man other than her husband. And this can cause conflict because her loyalties are often divided. Unless a woman is providentially hindered, it's her responsibility to maintain an orderly home. And in order to do that, work is necessary. This means she needs to keep her house clean stay organized with the grocery shopping and meal preparation and keep the laundry done. And if you find yourself struggling in these areas, you should seek help. There are many good books and online resources to help you if you're just learning to cook or if you need help in becoming more organized. An even better alternative is to ask a godly older lady to help you improve in whatever domestic, domestic skills that you're deficient in. Proverbs 31.27 tells us that the virtuous woman is not lazy, but rather looks after her household well. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This means that a godly woman takes good care of her home and her family. She's not selfish or slothful. If you consistently find that you're not doing a good job at home, it may be helpful to evaluate the priorities in your life. If you're too tired during the day to be productive, you need to ask yourself if you're staying up too late at night. You may need to go to bed earlier so you can rise earlier in the morning to meet with the Lord and then have time and energy to meet the needs of your family. Perhaps you should ask yourself if you're wasting time during the day on things like television or social media when you should be working, you have things to do. It may be helpful to make yourself accountable to your husband or to a friend in regard to the way you're using your time. Looking well to the ways of a household takes a lot of time. The word translated looks well literally means to hedge about, as with thorns, the way a mother bird would protect her young by hedging them about with thorns. This verb expresses active guarding, protecting, 
and attending to something that's precious. We need to realize that we have an assignment from God to watch over our homes and the people who live in them. So before you pursue other things, make sure your house is in order and your family is cared for. This even includes good things like ministry. You shouldn't be involved in community or church work unless your first priorities are taken care of. When our children were young, my husband helped me to limit myself in how much ministry I was involved in because I was very busy taking care of four young children. Well, let's some, consider some things that we do look well to as we watch over our homes. We're the ones who primarily look after the safety, the health, the sanitation, and cleanliness of our home. In regard to finances, many of us monitor our savings, budgeting, giving, spending, and stretching the household finances. We oversee clothing needs, shopping, laundering, and mending. We take care of grocery shopping, food preparation, and nutrition. In order to keep a tidy and well-managed home, you won't be able to do everything that everyone else wants you to do, or even everything that you may want to do yourself. This means that there will be times when you simply have to tell others no. Many women believe the lie that they can do it all. This lie says that I should be able to be a wonderful wife and mother, keep my house spotlessly clean, prepare healthy meals for my family, be active in my child's school or educate my children at home, participate in my church as well as community activities, stay physically fit, and have a full-time job outside the home. And that's one reason so many ladies are frustrated, overwhelmed, and discouraged. The truth is that no woman can effectively carry out all those responsibilities. About 50 years ago, just a handful of women set out to achieve a philosophical and cultural revolution in our country. Biblical concepts such as virtue, chastity, discretion, modesty, domesticity, and submission, which had before that time been accepted as the norm for women, began to be considered outdated. The ideas that replaced this way of thinking and behaving for women were choice, rights, sexual freedom, infidelity, divorce, and unisex lifestyles. One of the most devastating effects of the women's liberation movement has been the demeaning of marriage and motherhood and the moving of women out of their homes. Nancy Lee DeMoss Wiggleman compiled a list of some of the consequences of droves of women moving into the workplace. I'd like to just briefly share that list with you. One, pressure is placed on women by their peers to do more than just be a wife and mother. Do you see how that demeans those, those positions? Number two, the status of a homemaker has been devalued to something less than a serf. Number three, millions of infants and toddlers are dropped off at daycare centers before daylight and picked up after dark. Number four, millions of children come home from school to empty houses or they are relegated to after-school childcare programs. Number five, mothers who give their best energy and time to persons other than their husbands and children leave them perpetually exhausted and edgy. Number six, families that seldom sit down and have a meal together. 
Number seven, children who subsist on frozen dinners and fast food eaten on the run. Number eight, emotional and physical affairs being fanned by married women spending more time with men at work than they do with their own husbands. Number nine, women being exposed day after day to coarse language and behavior and sexual innuendos in the workplace. As I was going over this, I was reminded of a young couple that I know personally. They're both trained in a specialized field that is usually occupied solely by men. The husband makes a very good salary, which is more than sufficient for the two of them to live comfortably as well as save for the future. But because they wanted a huge new home, expensive cars, and bigger and better stuff, the husband has insisted that his wife work in a man's world. She has to do hard labor alongside many men, and she's regularly exposed to foul language and inappropriate comments. And as she shares some of these stories with me, I often think, what is more important? A bigger, newer home? more exotic vacations, or the protection of your wife? For Christians, the answer should be obvious. The tenth consequence that Nancy gives us is that women who don't have enough time or energy to cultivate a close relationship with their children and end up permanently estranged from their grown children. Eleven, children spending countless hours being entertained by videos, TV, electronic games, and computers. 12. Inadequately supervised children becoming exposed to and lured into pornography, alcohol, drugs, sex, and or violence. And 13. Elderly parents having to be placed in institutions because their daughters and daughters-in-law are working full-time and cannot manage their care. The scripture's clear that a married woman's life and ministry are to be centered in the home. One lady wrote, it is true that many perfect jobs come and go during the child-rearing years, but only one will absolutely never come again. The job of rearing your own children and allowing them the increasingly rare opportunity to grow up at home. Now, I want to be very careful that I don't put unnecessary burdens on some of you who may absolutely have to work outside the home. I know many sisters who would love to be at home full time, but they have no choice. Dear sisters, if you must work away from home, I have no desire whatsoever to make you feel condemned or less than what you should be. My father was out of our home much of the time that I was growing up. And my mother worked very hard, sometimes two jobs, just to provide food and clothing and other necessities for my siblings and I. She didn't choose to be put in that circumstance. And I remember her frequently being exhausted, discouraged, and overwhelmed as a single parent. I'm sure she would have loved to be at home when we returned from school, when we were sick, and really just all the time but she had to do what was necessary to care for her children. As the body of Christ, we should never think, make things harder for our sisters who are in such difficult circumstances. Rather, we should seek to cheer them, encourage them, and help them in any way that we can. And that's my desire, is to encourage you as you're growing in your commitment to your husbands, your children, and as homemakers.
I once heard of a bumper sticker that a friend had seen. It said, life, what a beautiful thing. Now, we are pro-life. We believe that life is precious from the womb to the grave. All life is precious. And a woman, every woman, who chooses to lay down her life for her family is choosing life. She is communicating that life is precious. It is more valuable than anything else that she would seek to earn. Every day these women choose life. With every meal they prepare, with every load of dirty clothes they wash, with every trip they make to the grocery store, to school, to the doctor, or to piano lessons, with every scraped knee they bandage, with every encouraging word they speak, with every hour they spend rocking a sick or scared child in the middle of the night, with every moment they spend helping with math problems, reading a Bible story, or listening to a family member describe his day, with every moment they spend interceding for the spiritual growth and protection of their family. Day after day, they are building a home. They are being life givers. They are laying a foundation and building a memorial that will outlive them for generations to come. They are honoring their creator in the greatest possible way. Being a godly worker at home adorns the gospel. That's what verse 5 of Titus 2 tells us. We are to teach the young women to do these things so the gospel will not be dishonored. Homemaking means making a home. Don't just look at the task that you must complete as necessary but distasteful chores. Remember, you're making a home for the most important people in your life. We should use our skills to make our homes a refuge for our families, a comfortable retreat for our friends, a place of evangelism, and above all, a place where God is glorified. We have a guest book in our home that many of our guests date and sign when they stay with us, and sometimes they'll also write a brief note. One time, a young man who had come to visit us wrote, thank you for having me in your God-centered home. That's the greatest compliment anyone could ever say about my home. Charles Spurgeon wrote this, I have no faith in that woman who talks of grace and glory abroad and uses no soap and water at home. Let the buttons be on the shirts. Let the children's socks be mended. Let the roast mutton be done to a turn. Let the house be as neat as a new pen and the home be as happy as home can be. As you become a more efficient and effective homemaker, I trust the Lord will give you joy in what he has called you to do. I pray that you will see the great value in the role that you're filling and that you will develop a sense of fulfillment and gratitude that he has allowed you the privilege to be a worker at home. For as I've said before, this life is all about him. It's all about his word being honored and his name being glorified. May he find a place of honor in all of our homes as well as our hearts as we keep our homes and look over our families for his glory. Mm -hmm.